14. My birthday. We're gonna party like it's my birthday. We got a zipper party like it's my birthday. And you know, I don't give a f it's not your birthday. The following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthling. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm gonna pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. <laughs> think Jackal's a Latino? I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you, sir. The Jackal. Welcome friends, welcome foes, welcome one, welcome all. This is another episode of Inside the Jackal's Head, live right here on PSN Radio. And I hope everybody's uh, staying safe and sound. This is another exciting issue inside my tissue-filled head. June 14th, 2020, and today, folks, is the President's birthday. As you heard in the intro music there... I wanted to uh, just uh, take a second and wish our president a happy 74th birthday. And uh, I say that with a lot of tongue-in-cheek because I know that he has uh, not had a great year. 2020 has been rough for all of us, whether it's been uh, a horrible disease that came out of China or whether it was it, you know, a... Uh, terrible incident caused by one lunatic cop when he killed a career criminal and the entire world went crazy for two weeks now with uh, George St. Floyd. Or is it St. George Floyd? I don't know. It sounds better it's uh, Floyd St. George or George Saint. I don't know. You guys pick. Either way, we got to uh, continue on and move forward, folks. And some of the rioting that's been going on in the last uh, few weeks has uh, actually turned things on its head. And I'm going to get to that in a minute here, uh, where it's uh, there's a spike in Florida, and it's getting a little scary. And we have a fellow Floridian that's going to be on with me within the next uh, 25 minutes here, Mr. Ed Opperman. is going to join me for a full hour, a little bit early. Normally we take our guest in the second hour, but I really wanted to get him on as much as possible, so I, I kind of like rearranged uh, things a little bit. So he's going to be on with me during the first hour at the 30-minute uh, mark, and then we're going to go for a full hour, maybe a little bit more, depending on how Ed feels. Now, I really wanted to have Ed on for a long time. He's uh, been on PSN radio for a long, long time, and... Uh, you know, we haven't been able to, to coordinate properly until today, and I'm really happy to have him on the show and uh, look forward to talking to him in a little bit. Uh, like I said, a lot of uh, stuff has been coming out uh, within the, the last uh, few uh, weeks. We've had, uh, you know, massive, folks, massive amounts of riots and looting, and uh, with everything, we have to say hello to a new uh, new country. A new sovereign nation, the nation of Chaz. You guys hear about this crap in Seattle? And shout-outs to my uh, good friend, Michael, uh, uh, I, should, well, I shouldn't say his full name. He might not want me to, so I'll just say shout-outs to Out of Sight from Out of Sight Music. And back in the day, Out of Sight Radio, me and him did a podcast for a couple of years. Which, uh, he has all the, you know, it, it, this is something that pisses me off, because I had GoDaddy, uh, where I had all my files stored for all the shows and stuff, and there was a server crash, and it wiped out everything a few years ago, and I had to restart everything from scratch, 
on SoundCloud. Unfortunately, I didn't have the backup of all his shows and uh, the ones we did together, which were about two years with the shows. And out of sight, a uh, great dude, and we, we we were talking earlier about the uh, stuff that's been happening. And uh, I, you know, I wish I had all the archives of the shows we did together because there were some really good stuff in there. I think I have like maybe six episodes that I was able to, to like salvage from the purge caused by GoDaddy. Speaking of purges, uh, it seems like there's a purge happening in Seattle, and I wanted to uh, again wish uh, out of sight the uh, you know I hope he's staying out there and staying safe. Because it's uh, a little bit crazy, and uh, when I talked to him, I, I urged him not to go into jazz. And he thought I was talking about uh, Cher's uh, transgender daughter, son, whatever. No, he, he didn't think that. I just made that part up. But I did tell him that, uh, you know, I hope he stays safe and, uh, and sound out there. Uh, so this place, Chaz, uh, has taken over. And uh, it's in Seattle, Washington, of all places. And, uh, folks, I don't know about you, but when you're a politician, you're a mayor, governor, whatever, whatever, when you're in politics and you're in charge of a certain part, right, and it's up to you to maybe take care of this area, um, when you board up, the police department, and you say, all right, have at it, and you move out of the way, and the lunatics known as Antifa come in and they take over, basically, you're allowing anarchy on your streets. You're allowing a bunch of lunatics to come down your uh, your streets there and take over, and that's what's kind of happened. They're calling this the autonomous zone, or uh, I guess, anonymous zone? I don't I don't. I don't autonomous zone, whatever the crap it's called. Bunch of lunatics. They arrested this one dude who looks like the Joker with green hair. I mean, I don't know what the hell's going on. But Trump over the week said that, uh, if uh, hey, if you don't get your stuff together, I'm going to go in there and do it for you. And then the uh, imbecile known as the mayor of Seattle. And uh, my goodness, she's this one's a winner. This uh, this lady is a true, true winner. Uh, let me turn that off. Jenny Durkan. Okay. She is uh, the Seattle mayor. And uh, she's a complete socialist sellout. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, she's as far left as you're going to get. She lashed out at Trump. Now, this is the exact quote from uh, President Trump. He said, radical left governor Jay Inslee and mayor of Seattle are being taunted and played at a level that our great country has never seen before. Take back your city now. If you don't do it, I will. This is not a game. The ugly anarchist must be stopped immediately. Move fast. Now, folks, let me tell you, an end quote right there, by the way. Uh, that's what a leader does, okay, when he sees shenanigans happening. Jenny Durkan, in her imbecile mind, 
thinks, uh, I guess, that she's above the president, right? Like, how stupid is this person, first of all? You're a mayor. He's the president. Okay? He dictates policy. Okay? Now, I know we're all supposed to work together, but guess what? You have to listen to the president. doesn't matter if he's Republican, Democrat, in the middle. I don't care. We, the people, elected him in 2016. Get over it. He is absolutely right. Either you get your shit together or he'll get it together for you. But, um, you know, she, in her unwise mind, she says, it's clear, real Donald Trump. That's, you know, a Twitter, at real Donald Trump. It says, it's clear, real Donald Trump doesn't understand what's happening on the five square blocks of our city. Cal Anderson and Capitol Hill has for decades been a place for free speech, community, and self-expression. Okay? And it's clear that Mayor Jenny Durkan has lost her freaking marbles. Listen, I understand... In the Constitution, we have the right to freedom of expression, freedom of assembly. Hell, we have freedom of of free of peaceful protesting. That's part of our freedoms in this country. But nothing that's happening in chance is peaceful. Nothing. They've taken over the block. They've destroyed areas. There, it's graffiti all over the place. Literally, it's a scene out of a third world uh, movie. Uh, you know based, uh, uh, third world country based movie, it really looks like something like you would see in like a video game, like uh, Grand Theft Auto or uh, something like in uh, the zombie show, uh, The Walking Dead. That's what it kind of, it, it started to look like out there. It, it's ridiculous. And then you have, of course, the, the Joker guy, so I guess you can throw it, it looks like the scenes out of the Joker where everybody's going bananas. Now, I love that movie, but I didn't think it was going to inspire this kind of crazy shit for real. Like, we've had crazy movies before, but, you know, we don't actually try to go in and make this stuff happen. Antifa is actually trying to make this crap happen for real. Now, I've got a few audio uh, clips I want to play, and I'm going to get to uh, one here in a second where, I mean, this gets right into the heart of things. This, folks, is uh, not scary because I'm not afraid of any of these uh, cocksuckers. I really ain't. Uh, if, I mean, and I've said this already publicly. If any of these uh, Antifa dudes or gals, or I don't care where they are, if they start trying to break things in my neighborhood and they start trying to, like, infiltrate my area, gloves are off. I don't care if I have to get my sword of the daywalker, my uh, ninja sword, my guns, my ammos, my knives, whatever. They're not going to get in here without a fight. So, I mean, and, and this is something that's going on all over town. We've had riots in Miami. Why are there riots in Miami? I don't understand that. Okay, this is stemming supposedly from the shit that happened with St. George Floyd, right? Up in fucking Minnesota. What is that going to do with Miami? Now, granted, look, social unrest has been 
at the bubble here for a long time when it comes to police brutality because the media keeps feeding into the type of it. It's, there's institutional racism in this country. You know, America is a very racist country and we, we, we have to burn the flag. Yeah. And we've got to make a hero out of a person who kneels at the national anthem in a football game. That's what we got to do. Why does it seem that we have a nation full of folks that are anti-American, who live in America? If you hate this country, and, I, and I've said this before, and, uh, and if you hate this country, hell, leave. Just get the hell out of here. You know, find a dictator you like better around the world. You know, I hear China's got a lot of open area right now. There's a lot of space because of COVID. So real estate there must be really cheap. Move to China. You know, I have uh, friends in Korea. They say the food's fabulous. Move to Korea. You know, Japan's nice. Move to Japan. One a non-Asian country. Well, take your pick. There's a lot of them in Africa. Good luck with that. I hear the smell's great. Depending on the part, though, I think. Uh, Middle East? Well, let's just say, uh, really, uh, if, you go, when, if you go there and uh, you're part of the alphabet community, you're going to find out that you're going to want to be back here. You're going to be a capitalist and trumper real quick. Okay? Because guess, this is what I don't understand. Because you have a lot of uh, people in the alphabet community. And by God, I know, I know a few of them myself. I have friends in that community. And they're not insane like some of the people you see on, on the TV and media. They're normal. You know, they're rational human beings. Uh, they think for themselves. And they're even they're like, these people are fucking crazy. And it really is. You, you have a, a faction of extremists that are going crazy. But what I don't understand about these people that are doing all this nonsense that belong to the alphabet community, do they not understand that the people they're, they're fighting for the Muslim extremists that are trying to take over this country. Because that's what it is, folks. Let's just put it out there. Okay, this is coming from Muslim extremists. Okay, the Elon Omar of the worlds and all these crazy people. You know, these. Uh, this is what this is. This is a, a religious thing. Christianity, Judaism, Muslims. They're always at this shit. I mean, this has been going on for thousands of years. But now the Muslims are extreme, they're united, they're trying to break this country apart. So, the, the, again, back to the alphabet people. Do they not realize that if they lived in the Middle East, in one of these Muslim countries, they would literally get their heads chopped off just for being who they are? They, I don't think they understand that. Like, a lot of these folks seem to think that 
Uh, you know, if we go to one of these countries, it's going to be just fine. They're going to they'll love us. So we got to bring their ideology here. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we got to do. Look, it doesn't work that way. Okay, it really doesn't. And again, why would you want to bring a failed ideology like socialism, like communism, to a country that is better than any other country in the world. If this country was not great, and yes, it could be greater, but if it wasn't great, why would all these people want to come here to begin with? If people want to be in this country, you have to assimilate into, you know, it's like the saying, when in Rome, do like the Romans, right? This is the new Rome. So why, instead of coming here and assimilating, you must, all these people come here and want to tear it apart. The Elon Omars of the world. Rashida Talibs of the world. And all the people that back these two losers are the same ones that are backing AOC and all these other, you know, idiots. Jerry Nadler, Adam Schiff. Normally, everybody who's uh, really hating on the president for the last four years. And, and uh, for those who have been concocting this entire hoax for the last four years, who do you think are behind them? Funding all this nonsense. They see on the streets. Antifa, the Muslims, George Soros, they're all in cahoots. So I ask, you know, you actual people within the alphabet community. What the hell are you thinking joining forces with people that want to see you dead? That goes to Don Lemon, Anderson uh, Cooper, Rachel Maddow, who belongs to the alphabet community, but yet, instead of understanding that, listen, you know, we have a pretty damn good in this country, now they'd rather see it burn and then turn to something like the Middle East. That's what's going on here, folks. Uh, make no mistakes about it. That's exactly what's going on. And Hollywood is 100% complicit in this behavior. Uh, I, I've, gone, uh, I, I've gone fed up with a lot of this crap. And I've even uh, I got into it with uh, Billy Baldwin on Twitter. And he replied back. We've been going back and forth on Twitter. Because he's an imbecile promoting socialism and all this crap. Now, shout-outs to his brother Stephen Baldwin, who's actually a, a, a capitalist. He understands this country. He was on The Apprentice. He met President Trump. And he has a personal relationship with the president. He's seen him face-to-face. He's seen him and he's interacted with him. He loves Trump. He's voting for him again. He just endorsed him recently. When I did Celebrity Apprentice... You know, I, I had known President Trump uh, as the philanthropist, the, 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 the builder, et cetera, et cetera. But when I got to hang around him on Celebrity Apprentice, I got to see him as the dad behind the yeah. scenes. So that's kind of the thing. When I went and did Don Lemon on CNN in, uh, in July of 2015, and Don kind of brought me on to kind of make fun of me almost. He was like, you know, here's another dumb actor that really thinks this guy's going to win. You know what I mean? And it, it was, I was there and what I shared with him was, Don, I just played some golf with some hedge fund guys, and they like this guy. They like President Trump, you know, and, and a lot of the blue-collar people and construction people, and truth be told, Laura, as we sit here in the middle of the most dangerous pandemic that the, the planet has ever seen, uh, thank 
God Donald J. Trump is our president. Thank God. Um, I, I really couldn't imagine what we'd be facing right now under anybody else's leadership. And I'm, yeah. I'm certain, just like I had a hunch that he was going to win back in 2016 just because of, you know, kind of the groundswell of, of blue-collar workers and everyday Americans that were really sick and tired of business as usual in, in D.C. Uh, so, again, just, just, just I think that right now between uh, all of the president's policies, especially uh, internationally, uh, there's no question that Americans feel safer uh, before this pandemic, uh, the economy was the best it's ever been in U.S. history, and it's going to come roaring right back as soon as we get all this stuff, this craziness, stabilized. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, again, thank you for the early support for Donald Trump. It is never uh, easy whenever you come from a background like you do in Hollywood um, for celebrities to get out there and endorse Donald Trump. To your point, they try to make you feel stupid and I and, you know, like you shouldn't do it. But, you know, good for you for standing up and saying really what was on your heart and how you felt about Donald Trump, not because of the the nonsense that was being fed to you by the mainstream media, but because of your direct personal experiences with the man himself. You know who he is. Um, and he's always, I think, a kind of person. He's always been a leader. He's always been someone, I think, that really has been able to see things in people that maybe they can't see in themselves throughout his career as a businessman. But the one thing I think that we can say we all agree on is that entertainment has become maybe more important now than ever because, Stephen, we're all home. We're all watching Netflix and Hulu and any sort of information we can get, whether it's the president's press briefings we're taking in, we're watching Tiger King, we're watching everything. Um, isn't it, isn't it kind of the most, I guess, unifying thing right now in this country, maybe entertainment? Uh, there's no question. And I want to circle back to the hope thing. And then I'm going to, I'm going to address the president's daily press briefings as far as entertainment. Okay. If I oh. may, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to leave that cliffhanger <laughs> for a second. But I just want to say this, Laura, the American people and the American voters and the hardworking people that are suffering so much right now, they understand, Laura, the hope that Donald Trump brings. He's already shown them that he cares. He's already shown them that he can do what he can do best with the economy and make it come roaring back. So I think, like I was just about to say, when you watch these press briefings, and he gets criticized for fighting back. But at the same time, he has to let the American public see exactly the behavior and motivations and disinformation and distraction that the opposition is trying to present. Yeah, that's right. I think we all have you know, come together in many ways during this crisis. Um, something that obviously you're very familiar with, like we were just talking about entertainment, things have changed for a lot of us. You know, we're not going to the movie theater right now. We're not going to see Broadway shows and the like. We're all stuck at home. How has that maybe changed things for you in your industry? Uh, for me, it's, it's a fascinating time. I 
executive produced uh, along with uh, my friend John McGalliard and my friend Mike Lindell from My Pillow. Oh, uh, Mike Lindell, him. the best! Yes, he's totally awesome, and he uh, financed and produced a, a project we did called Church People. It's a comedy. It's kind of like The Office at a mega church. The poster is going to say Church People. Christians have always been funny, just not on purpose. Um, <laughs> so that's the tagline of the movie. Um, but it's a comedy, and we were kind of set to independently do uh, a platform release, like 400 theaters, 800 theaters, 1,600 theaters, you know, kind of grow it from there. But in the wake of this virus, uh, we're now reevaluating if maybe just doing a, a direct distribution opportunity digitally through iTunes or one of the other yeah. uh, pipelines there, uh, and just give people an opportunity to watch a fun Christian comedy with positive family values, our faith values, all that. But, but the most important part to remember, Laura, about church people, Christian comedy movie is it's actually really funny. We got Joey Fatone in it. We got Donald Faison in it. We got Thor Ramsey in it. We got Billy Baldwin in it. China Phillips, <laughs> his fabulous wife. We have all kinds of wonderful talent in the film. It's going to be coming out fourth quarter this year, but to answer your question, very interesting. Church People movie is now like we're in the creative marketing distribution conversation of what's going to maximize the potential of getting the film out, getting the people to hear its message. And it's looking like we might go online digital and just pipe it right to your home. Yeah, well, a lot of a lot of uh, new ideas are, are coming to the surface these days. Maybe this is a new way that uh, movies will be debuted from now on, but uh, Steven, you are you're really such a breath of fresh air, and it's so nice to get you on the show to get your thoughts on our amazing president. And please keep doing what you're doing, fighting for him every single day. And just want to say thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. God bless you and your family. Say hey to your hubby, and uh, we'll see you soon. If you go to angelespino.com, you'll see the videos of him actually speaking on on this whole thing. But of course, the the Idiots on the left have been uh, doing whatever they can to make themselves heard because black lives matter. That's the only lives that matter, right, during these entire protests. So instead of, like, trying to quiet down the nonsense and not fueling fire, now these guys must uh, put together a cringeworthy video showing just how stupid they are. Listen to this. This is a trigger warning for some of the most cringy material that you can possibly imagine. Brace yourself. The celebrities have decided that they know how to fix racism. Let's take a listen. I take responsibility. I take responsibility. I take responsibility. I take responsibility for every unchecked moment, for every time it was easier to ignore than to call it out for what it was. Every not-so-funny joke. Every unfair stereotype. Every blatant injustice, no matter how big or small. Every time I remained silent. <laughs> In fairness, at least they weren't wearing kente cloth. Yes, they so, were not wearing kente So there's cloth. that. Um, Thank you all. I mean, The it's worst just, part is I love some of those actors. It's yeah. just so painful. Yeah. No, by the way, nobody wanted this. No yeah. one asked for it, and no one was happy about it. Just so you know, this is not just us no. trashing them. This is like universal sentiment of why yeah. did you do this? Because, of course, you take an issue that is so vital and there's so much 
passion and so critical. And then you turn around and like make it all about yourself. Like, look at me and how virtuous I am. Ugh. This is a marketing ploy. That's all this is. That's it, 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 this is all about Hollywood. Be like, no, we take responsibility. All oh, this, blah. but uh, once again, you want to talk about the net worth of all these people and their investments and well, some of the things they might have to give up if they wanted in order to get some of the things that you that you know that you're saying that yeah. we need to address structural inequities. No, you think that any of these people even know that black unemployment in this country is fifty percent right now, or know anything about you know unemployment wages? No, they don't care, and they never do. It's all empty. It's all just rhetoric. It's all identitarian. It's all like signaling. so. Look at me exactly. too. Even it's like worse. look at me and how virtuous I am. Look at me and how I'm such a great ally. Look at me and how I stand in solidarity. It's like just take some of your money and like donate to a cause, pay yes. some more in taxes. Exactly. This is the, that look at me crowd. These are a bunch of like has been actors. I'm not even going to go through the name of the of the idiots on the video yes just see it for yourself on the internet it's on youtube it's on my website um again nobody cares about these actors they're a bunch of no names these are a bunch of people trying to get their 15 minutes because their initial fame is gone folks and you have a lot of that coming out of hollywood we saw with Alyssa milano uh, during the Kavanaugh uh, hearings, and uh, you know, now with Biden being accused of rape, uh, harassing a 14-year-old girl, you have his mental gaffes, and all the nonsense is going on with uh, creepy sniffer uh, Joe. Where's Alyssa Milano been? Right, she's been completely hidden. Only thing she said was, "Well, you know, maybe we should hear him out before we convict him." Well, gee, you weren't saying that about Kavanaugh. What's the difference? Right? Your Me Too moment is BS. Antifa is BS. Uh, Black Lives Matter is BS. Listen, folks. All lives matter. Every single one of these individuals on this planet matters. Let me take that back for a second, though. You know who doesn't matter? People who pistol whip pregnant women get convicted for it have a long history of abuse domestic violence drugs people who fake and pass fake $20 bills and get arrested for it those people don't matter People in Chaz, those people don't matter. Because they've already made their mindset that they're above the law. They're above the system. They're in cuckoo land. Like the Blasio's daughter. You seen her face with like little puffy hair on the top of her head? She doesn't matter. She's gone. Right? According to Joe Biden, most of these uh, super predators, as he called them, they're gone. And Atifa... Those are some super predators. If you support Black Lives Matter, just remember Sean King is the leader of Black Lives Matter and he's as white as vanilla ice. Don't forget that, folks. Guys, we'll be right back with Ed Opperman of the Opperman Report right here on uh, the one and only PSN Radio. I am your host, Angel the Jackal Espino. This is Inside the Jackal's Head. And we'll be back in a few minutes with our guests. Talk to you soon. All right, friends, welcome back to Inside the Jackal Said right here live on 
the one and only PSN Radio. That's right. If you're listening live, PSN Radio. Remember, you can check out the podcast as it uh, finishes up in a few minutes. So we always uh, try to get it as quickly as possible over on angelespino.com, which is the main hub, as you guys know, for the uh, show. Free podcasting downloads. Every one of the episodes is free. I don't charge my listeners because uh, what the hell? Nobody has a job these days. That's just kind of the way it is, right? We're 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 in a still kind of a lockdown situation in most parts of the country. I have a, fl- a fellow Floridian now on the line with me, <laughs> the one and only Mr. Ed Opperman himself from the Ed Opperman Report, who has. I mean, that's one of the best shows on the internet. I have to give it to you. You have an excellent show. Uh, I am, you know, honored that you, you allow us to run the uh, show here on PSN Radio, and thank you so much for joining me from the Sunshine State. How are you doing, brother? Thank you, Angel. Thank you so much, and, and thank you, too, for all the help you've been with the show, getting us off the ground, especially early on, like seven years ago when I first met you. Uh, PSN was always one of the stations I wanted to get on when I, you know, was out there hunting down stations to pick up my show. <laughs> And it, 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 people don't know this guy's such a big help behind the scenes. Like he, as many, so many of these stations, they're run by egomaniacs. These internet stations, especially if there's a host running it, you know. Mm. And uh, yep. you, you know it, Angel. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And Angel's always been a good guy, humble guy. Man, he's available. He's cool. Doesn't butt in. Doesn't complain. Doesn't give bust your balls. Man, nothing. Thank you so much, bro. I I serve to please, my friend, especially when it's good content. <laughs> and I, I'll tell you what, I've been you know mesmerized by your show since you've been on you know for uh, as long as you you've been on with us. And uh, when I as soon as I heard your podcast, you know, years ago, I was like, damn right, I want you on my network. <laughs> it was it wasn't a, like a head scratch or something. I had to think about it. Let me tell you because uh, you know we're. I feel sometimes when I listen to the show, I'm like, that's what I wish I could say on my show. It's one of those moments, you know, I have had a lot of those. But you're in the Florida area, I mean, in your neck of the woods, I know, you, you know, we were talking off the air uh, a little while ago, and you were telling me that the, uh, you know, the widespread of COVID is taking a lot of lives up there, and uh, that's uh, very unfortunate. How do you feel about the situation we're in right now with everything going on? Well, you know, it's exhausting, you know, isn't it? Uh, when I moved down here, you know, I just got moved in. I didn't have my driver's license yet. I didn't have my plates yet. And then as soon as uh, I got around to making the appointment, because it's a small town here, you know, and it's a small town yeah. compared to what I'm used to. <laughs> you know, so you go to DMV, there's no line, but you got to make an appointment, you know. And the, the, oh, yeah, the day of my yeah. appointment, yeah, the day of my appointment, they close on DMV, so I still don't even have a driver's license yet. And, uh, then, you know, it was so hard to meet people because everybody's quarantined, got masks on, so it's been very lonely here. My daughter's school got shut down, you know, so she came back for Christmas break and then never left. Wow. Thank God we got a two, but yeah. Oh, it's been upside down, man. You know, it, it's been crazy. And uh, like I told you before, you know, my daughter does, she's volunteering for a campaign down here because she's going to school for journalism and political science. Um, her, her goal is to organize campaigns. And um, so she's volu- interning for a campaign down here. It's a serious position. And so she does the, the press, you know, the press clips every day. And uh, the ten, ten, people die, uh, 10 people a day dying in this area. My goodness. And, yeah. uh, you know, with the riots and the looting and all the the stuff that's been going on the last few weeks, we had a, a huge spike here. And 
I think it was like 2,000-something within a, a day or two of people that were reported they were just uh, diagnosed with COVID. Uh, it, it's, you know, not the right time for these kind of things to start happening uh, because you're going to see more and more on the rise. And I think what, you know, people forget, uh, especially the people, you know, rioting and all this stuff and protesting, a lot of them are young people, and they're like, oh, nothing's going to happen to us. This is going to attack us. But it affects older folks. And then when they go back home, they they interact with their parents, their grandparents, their uncles, aunts, or whatever. And a lot of them are maybe in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and they pass on, you know, the, the virus to them. They're more vulnerable. Uh, you know, that's not helping the situation. You're You're literally killing your own family at this point. Yeah, it's interesting too that uh, it was right at the same time they started opening things back up. You know, the schools. Yeah. The, not the schools, but you know, the beaches. You know, I was mm-hmm. at the beach today. I was, I was shocked how crowded it was. You know, and um, the bars and the restaurants, everything just started opening up again. Then, then we had all these mass protests all over the place, like nationwide. You know, cover to cover. Um, so, man, uh, yeah, what happened to social distancing? As soon as they started opening things back up, everyone just threw their mask away. Okay, that's it. We're done. You know, no, no, you, no more six feet apart. It's like it's over. You know? But you know what the funny and, and the most hypocritical part of that whole thing is, and especially coming from the Democrats and the, and the liberals, is how they were like literally demonizing anybody who wanted to go in and practice, uh, you know, practice, practice their religious beliefs uh, yeah. A few weeks ago, they were like, oh, how dare you go out and during this pandemic and, and gather? You must be a Nazi Trump supporter. Like, we just want to, like, you know, like, go gather and, and, and pray. There's nothing sinister about that. But when, the, you know, the riots started happening and when St. George Floyd, you know, was killed by the crazy cop, uh, when all this stuff happened, now all of a sudden all these liberals are like, oh, no, yeah, yeah, let them go riot. It's, it's perfectly okay. In fact, the mayor of Seattle opened the city. She's like, hey, come on in. Have at it. Oh, you want to turn this into a new nation? Yeah, go for it. It's peaceful. But yet Seattle's turned upside down. It's, you know, it's crazy. interesting. And the thing you said about um, shutting down the churches is, is very disturbing. You know, um, that that would even be considered, and that people just went along with it so um, um, compliant. You know, mm-hmm. um, and, and then the other thing too that really is really that this what was it three trillion dollars? You know, where where did it go? You know, that's the question. And, yeah, yeah, and five hundred billion of that was Mnuchin's own checking account that he could just do whatever he wants with, mm-hmm. with, with no accountability. Now they're saying, we're not going to tell you. A lot of opportunism uh, in this whole thing, you know, and that's, um, that no one's really um, even questioning, you know. Let's do simple math here. And, and I know you're a much smarter man than I am, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay this on you real quick. Not when it comes to math, man. <laughs> I was told there would be no math in this interview. <laughs> well, this is this is pretty simple. We have how, we have how, how many Americans in this country? Oh, like three hundred fifty million. I got that. Okay, go ahead. Okay, we got three hundred fifty million Americans. Uh, now, how many trillions have we uh, passed in the last yeah. couple of weeks or months in the bills? Yeah, what's it like? A couple of million a piece, right? We, we, should, we should have like ten million a piece, isn't it? Okay, just take like ten, take ten million, right? or yeah. take uh, take five hundred million. Okay, you still have 
how many trillions left over to give to the big corporations that you want to help protect Boeing and other, <laughs> other companies? Take a, a half a trillion dollars, five hundred million, and just give every citizen of the, every citizen. I'm not talking about illegals or people that are just going to hop the border to get a million bucks or whatever. No, give every American citizen who's been here for at least 25 years a million dollars. Why, why don't they do that? Yeah, that would have been $350 million, yeah. Right? Well, no, would it? no, that would have been a, a $350 billion, I think. And that's still a, uh, But then again, I think if we did that, no one would go to work, you know? Everyone would sit back and buy drugs and coke and horse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Blowing hookers, <laughs> that's never there. a bad weekend. <laughs> <laughs> coke and hookers, man, you know? That would be the new normal. <laughs> but here's... Here, here's the, if I was in charge, this is what I would do. I would... Not just give you, here's a million, go have fun, blowing hookers. No, what I would do is I would tell every citizen, okay, I'm going to give you guys a citizen wage for being a U.S. citizen, but the only way that you are not able to get this and not have a job is when you're legitimately disabled and you cannot work. If you could work, you need to have a regular job, and this will go on top of whatever it is you do. So now you want people to strive to achieve more. Plus, they have all this extra income that they're going to have in, in, in their repertoire. And it also opens up the door because now you're going to have the people that are residents but not citizens, right? They're going to be taking the jobs that the citizens aren't going to do because the citizens are going to have money to be able to, to do more with their lives and be a lot more free, but they still have to have a, a productive job. It's not just like, oh, I can sit at home smoking weed all day. No, you're going to get the money, but you have to be productive within society and put the circulation back into the country. And the residents, if you come to this country legally, become a resident, you open down to work in any other part of infrastructure, whether it's the fast food industry, restaurants, whatever, you can have any kind of job. And on top of that, since you're a resident, I would give all those individuals who legally became residents an extra of five hundred to a thousand dollars a month as a helping living wage. Okay, so on top of them earning their regular pay, they're gonna have that extra money. So it takes care of all these other jobs which we know that, you know, our kids are not going to want to do if they have all this money, right? They're going to want to go to college. They're going to want to be able to, you know, get a really good job. And they're going to want to strive to be better. So, and then it actually makes it more of a necessity and a want to become a citizen. So if you become a legal resident, you could have a pathway to citizenship within 20 years. 15, 20 years, I mean, that's, that should be about right. And then if you become a citizen, meaning you didn't break any major laws, you're active in the community, you worked a regular job, you're a good, decent, hardworking American. And I, you know, like, look, I, I'm a Cuban-American. I came to, from Cuba when I was two. And, you know, I've seen racism, I've seen socialism, communism. I've seen all these things. And, you know, I'll tell you this much. None of that stuff works. Capitalism is the best system we've had around the world. It's the one that's sustainable, it's one that works. But if you're going to start giving all these money, all these different uh, billionaires and, and companies billions and trillions of dollars, help the people that need the money now, the citizens of this country. 
That, that's what the stimulus was supposed to be for, correct? Or am I missing something? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get the stimulus, and I didn't get the SBA money either. I didn't get any of that because uh, I pay my taxes every year. Um, you know, I, I, I don't. No money comes out of my. I don't, no, there's no withholding from my income. I'm self-employed, okay. so you know, I get a. I have a tax bill at the end of the year. I mail a check to them. You know. And okay. uh, so they don't have my banking information, so they don't have my stuff to send me a check. <laughs> you know what I mean? And well, actually, if, moves, you, they don't have, if you go to the website, though, you can still get – actually, my, it's funny. My um, my dad's cousin, who's in the hospice, and we're waiting for the bad news. It's not good. It's not looking good mm-hmm. for him. And, uh, you know, he just got the stimulus check for $1,200. And he hasn't reported, you know, taxes this year, and probably won't ever again because, again, it's not looking good for yeah. him. Uh, but he just got well, his uh, stimulus yeah. check. You can go yeah, on the website and still get it. Passed away. Yeah, my mother just passed away, and she, my dad, got a check for her because she, they filed a tax return for her uh, last year. Uh, but, but trust me, I'm not, I'm not in there. We, we looked, you know, I'm not in there, and I got really serious professional people trying to help me with this, with the SBA loans and stuff like that. But as a matter of fact, you know, who's been helping me with this? It's kind of funny is Stephen Hoffenberg, who is the former uh, business partner of Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, he was part no of kidding. Epstein back in the- <laughs> yeah, 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 the guy ran the New York Post. You know, he owned the New York Post. And, and he, you know, it was this big, they had this company called Tower Financial, okay? Hoffenberg was the president, and he was asked to bring in Epstein by a guy with an intelligence background. And uh, Epstein comes in. You know who was the, the lawyer for that uh, uh, company? was uh, Rudy Giuliani. was the corporate counsel for that company, uh, making yes. $1 million a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for I remember that. So what happened was um, Hoffenberg starts, you know, sniffing around, saying, hey, this Epstein guy, is, you know, he, he seems to be some kind of a spy or something, you know? So he starts making, you know, <laughs> questions, inquiries around because he knows everybody. He knows, like, the mayor, the governor, this guy knows everybody. And what happened was uh, they – was some well, as Hoffenberg likes to call it, there was some accounting irregularities, okay, but other people call it like a Ponzi scheme. And uh, right. Rudy Giuliani, <laughs> yeah, I know. Rudy and uh, uh, Darren Enzyke, who runs the trust now for Epstein, and, and the other guy, Khan, the partner, and Epstein and Giuliani all got together and turned on Hoffenberg. Hoffenberg wound up taking the bag on that job and went to prison for like nine years. Wow. Uh, but he's out. Yeah, but he's out now, and all this stuff you see going on in the Virgin Islands uh, with this new litigation, finding that trust down in the Virgin Islands, and the Virgin Island government going after that trust and all that, that's all Hoffenberg's work, you know? I have him on the show every week, just about. And he, anyway, so he knows everybody, and he's been trying to help me with his SBA stuff, too, and stuff like that. And uh, they just, no, I'm not getting anything. I'm not getting anything. <laughs> I can wow. tell you right now, I know I'm not getting anything. But, you know, one thing I wanted to say, I was thinking before, you, we were talking about how, you know, incentives for people to work and stuff. Through this uh, COVID stuff, uh, you, you see that the, the richest people, like Amazon and stuff like that, made like their wealth just dramatically increased. Yeah. I don't know about where, yeah, I don't know about where you live, but when I'm driving around here now, you know, everything was shut down, right? And all those small mom and pop businesses that were shut down, they all got four lease signs in their window now. So those, yep. all those little businesses are out of business, man. Yeah, and that's never the worst part. Back. That's yeah, the worst part. And that's part, just going to yeah. make Walmart more powerful uh, to, mm-hmm. to put even more small businesses out of business, you know? I don't know, man. I, I think this was a, either it was a plan from the start or they, the opportunists saw this 
and, and are using it as a method to enslave us and, and, and corrupt, bankrupt us even further, you know, to make the rich more richer and the poor more poor and, and compliant uh, to them. Which I, th I think is also too, one of the reasons why uh, people are bubbling over in this, this civil unrest all around the country, all around the world, really, you know. I think that's a part of the reason, you know, people were cooped up in their house being lied to. We watched them steal our money, and then we watched this guy kill this guy I and mean, choke it. By the way, hey, Angel, do you know that I have a, a, a case back in Vegas that's identical uh, to the Floyd George case? No. Are you serious? Because I, there's, yes. been a, there's been even cases in, in Europe that are similar where the cop kneels on, on the on the person. And they, I mean, this is nothing new. The cops have been using this technique for years. Dude, my case is, is identical. Um, my client is Byron Williams, 50 years old in Las Vegas, right? We just got – this was September – on my birthday, this happened. Okay? Oh, wow. Yeah. And what happened is he deceased or is he deceased or oh, he's no, still yeah. I'll tell you. He's dead now. Yeah, he's dead. Oh, my goodness. On camera. Same thing. He's riding his bike wow. at night. The cops see him – and the cops in Vegas are just so brutal – they see him riding his bike without a headlight, right? So they chase him down. He tries to make a run for it. Uh, you know, I almost kind of wish that he kept running, you know, but but he gave in. He surrendered. He was lying on the ground prone. They, they got all this on body camera, you know. You can look it up. Byron Williams, Las Vegas. I can't breathe. They jump over this wall, and they see him lying on the ground. He's prone with his arms stretched out, and they jump on top of him on his back. And he's saying over and over, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You're killing me. Help, help, help. And they're laughing at him. They're saying, no one's going to come help you. Laugh. You can talk. You can breathe. Ha, 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 ha. Big joke. Then the cameras go off, right? Uh-huh. And, and by the way, it's pitch black when, when all this is going on, right? Cameras go off. Cameras come back on. It's daylight. Hours wow. Later, and EMS is working on the guy trying to bring him back to life. He died on video saying, I can't breathe. But no one's talking about that case. You know, so what happened with that was... Because um, I'm really plugged in there in Vegas to the local activists and community and stuff like that. And no, I is a, is he a, he's a black man also, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, a black yeah. Man. The black okay. guy, yeah. And uh, so I interviewed the family. And then after the show, I said, hey, you guys got a lawyer? And he says, no, we, we don't know who to turn to. We don't know to. I says, listen, talk to my – because my, my client and my sponsor on my show is Keith M. Davidson, okay, in KMDLaw.com. And I says, listen, talk to Keith, man. He's got a real good heart. And, you know, he'll take your case and you'll get justice. Uh, so he went down the flew to Vegas. He signed them up the next day. And um, so, but it's not getting the kind of press like this other case is. And I really wish it was because it, it's heartbreaking. And I met the family. You know what I mean? See, that's, and see, that's the, the main thing right there. The families are the ones that are always affected in these cases. Like, I feel bad for the daughter of George Floyd. I really do. Uh, I feel bad for his ex-wife who is, you know, uh, now having to raise a daughter by herself. That, By the way, the, the lady who's uh, with the daughter, the mother of the daughter, is not his current wife. He had a, a white wife, of, of all things. And uh, she looks very method headish, crackish. Really? Uh, that's why the media hasn't really talked to her much. Uh, but my thing is, why do these people run? Now, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big I, I, guy. I, I, yeah, I know. You know what? And, and we said the same thing. When we were having breakfast the next morning, you know, with, with the lawyer, uh, before he signed them up, you know, we were saying, and I says, you know what, man? Maybe he should have kept running. Maybe he should have kept running. Uh, you got to understand what Vegas is like. I've been down here in Florida, and the cops down here are much, much different, man. It's really yeah. it's a lot easier down here where I am anyway. Um, but in Vegas, uh, you know, I'll tell you another case in Vegas, man. A white guy, okay? You, you know, you want to get down to that kind of stuff. Eric Scott in Vegas, 
uh, was a West Point graduate, um, mm-hmm. and uh, he was shopping at uh, Costco, and he was carrying, carrying legally, carrying his concealed weapon legally. And uh, one of the Costco employees, by the way, who happened to have warrants for his arrest out of Alaska, who oh, worked wow. the security in Costco. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the security guard has warrants out of Alaska. He calls the cops. They were really whatever. paying attention. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he told the cops, man, because you know, we, we can't believe anything this guy said because he also said he was a veteran, too, and it turned out he wasn't. Um, oh. We don't know what he told the cops, but when the cops came, they, they evacuated Walmart. So Eric Scott evacuates with everybody else. You know, he doesn't know this is about him. And as, and as they're leaving, um, a bunch of cops, six cops, give them all these conflicting commands. But hand over the gun. Put your hands up. Lie down on the ground. They're all yelling different things. And they shot him down dead. And then they told oh, everybody, wow. get the hell. All the witnesses, get out of here. You go. Get out of here. Go, go, go. They chase all the witnesses away. And then the video footage, bro, is destroyed and missing. Deleted off the cameras at Costco. Okay, I'll give you another one, man, okay? Why is that story not getting more coverage? You know what? That got a lot of coverage in Vegas, you know? And uh, I became very good friends with his father, Bill Scott, uh, who wrote a book called The Permit. Um, But that didn't get a lot of coverage either, you know, in in Vegas. It it did in Vegas, but not nationwide. But not nationwide, right, right. Wait, remind me to tell you about Eric uh, Eric Garner, though, and Eric Garner's daughter, because I met his daughter, too. But another case, now listen to this one, man. This happened in Vegas. Um, when my daughter, we, I used to take her to the park every day after, you know, kindergarten and preschool and stuff like that, to the sprinkle park with the water, you know. Um, anyway, so when she got old enough, like four and a half, five, you know, to, to go online to get ice cream from the ice cream truck lady, you know, hey, give her a dollar, you know, okay, wait online, tell her what you want, you know. And the first time she ever did it was this little uh, Yugoslavian woman. Uh, who used to drive the ice cream truck. She was about 4 foot 11, about 80 pounds. And her husband was about the same size, okay? So he had an ice cream truck and she had an ice cream truck. So um, one day he's driving his ice cream truck. The cops pull him over. And he says, hey, you don't have, your car's not registered. And he's saying to him, and they start giving him a ticket. And he says, oh, no, 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 no. I already got a ticket. Look, I got a ticket for this already. So in other words, you haven't learned anything, in other words. So I'm going to give you another ticket. (laughs) I got a ticket already. What are you talking about? So he calls his wife, and she comes over in her ice cream truck. And she's pleading with her. At one point, witnesses saw her down on her knees. Okay, pleading with the cops, saying we can't, we can't live like this with tickets every day with this. We can't live. See, see, you, I'm living where I am now. Okay, we never seen the cops on patrol, you know. But back in Vegas, you see cops every five minutes. You know, they're behind yeah. you. You know, and if you get pulled over, it's not a pleasant experience, man. Even if, even if you call in the cops, you call in the cops to make a complaint. Okay, and my work, the audience doesn't probably know, but I'm a, I'm a private investigator, man, and so mm-hmm. I deal with the cops all the time, trying to get justice for my clients, or, or try to get information, police reports, and stuff like that. So I, I deal with these people on their side, you know. So the poor woman, at one point, she had like a little knife, and she was holding the knife to her wrist, saying, "I'd ra- it's an expression in Yugoslavia. I'd rather be dead than than live like this, right?" And she was gesturing to them like that, and they shot her dead. They, they at one point she was on her knees, and they shot her. Wow. There was a light. There was a line of witnesses that saw this, right? Now, let me tell you something about Eric Garner that nobody knows, okay, because it's been scrubbed off the internet. You can find it wow. at oppermanreport.com in my member section, okay? Before Eric Garner was killed, he had written out a handwritten civil rights complaint from Rikers Island. And this is what happened to him, okay? 
Um, he was uh, stopped by police on Staten Island. I'm, I grew up in Staten Island. I know the DA who declined to prosecute over there. I worked cases with him. Now, Eric Garner uh, was stopped by the police on Staten Island. And uh, they stopped him. They searched him. And then in the middle of the street, they pulled down his pants and he did a, an anal cavity search on him in the middle of the street in public. And he was begging. Wow. Them, Listen, yeah, yeah, people don't know that, man. Okay. And he was telling him, oh, let's go. You can search me. Let's go back to the priest. I've got nothing on me. I have nothing to hide. Let's go back there. And he wrote this heart, handwritten, you know, with the spelling errors, man, and the grammar errors about he. I felt that they took my manhood that day, humiliating me in public. So when you see them and, and the cops show up and he says, no way, this stops today. It's because those same cops have been harassing him for years. They raped him, man, in the middle of the street in front of his friends. That is ridiculous. It, when, when did this happen? What year is this? It was like a couple of years before they, they killed him. Oh, you know? my goodness. And you don't hear it, about that anywhere, man. You don't hear about and anywhere. Nobody had, a, nobody had a cell phone and recorded this on video? I mean, with people around? I guess not. And and his case was thrown out on a technicality, you know, because he, you know, he was a do-it-yourself job from jail, you know, and pencil. Right. And you could see all the spelling errors and stuff like that. It's just heartbreaking, man. His daughter That's was terrible. his daughter passed too. You know, I don't know if you know that story. No, um, no, no. Yeah, his daughter died of some kind of cancer or something like that, some kind of disease. Anyway. Wow. That's uh, that's yeah. heartbreaking on two levels, right there. Isn't it? Uh, that's uh, an entire family line, daughter and and father. But you know, here's the thing, though, and uh, it's uh, it's shocking that nobody got that on footage, Ed, because with today, you know, with the technology, I mean, everybody has smartphones, video phones, you know, video on their phones, and a lot of them now have 4K. Even a few years ago, they used to have the uh, the regular 1080p, which recorded excellent on most phones. Uh, so I'm shocked that nobody got that on footage and. Put that out there. That that's, you know, that's what that's what's turning the tide, though, because you know when we when we have a Floyd here with George Floyd, the reason people I think are so upset is because we're finally getting to see something like this actually happen right, you know, in our face, and uh, you can you can see the expression on the cop's face. You can see as Floyd yeah. really just loses consciousness. And listen, you, that should not happen to any human being. That's I don't care who you are. But karma, George Floyd was not a good guy. Uh, we're talking about a guy who pistol whipped a woman, went to prison for it, a pregnant woman of that. And uh, this was not a good person. He was arrested high on meth for, what, faking a $20 bill and buying cigarettes for it. Had a buddy in his car who was most likely his drug dealer. I mean, the guy like skedaddled very quick when the cops got there. wonder why. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that happened in that case where you look at it and you're like, man, why can't they kill, like, a nice guy for once so we can actually feel bad for it? Because I want to feel, well, like, hey, Andrew, really, really is, bad. None, you know? none, of those, none of those things you're talking about uh, are death penalty crimes, you know? Uh, no, none of them are. That's what I'm saying. Nobody deserves to die, like, you know, right. for anything you know, like that. But I'm just saying, as bad as I feel for George, at the same time, I'm looking at his his rap sheet, I'm like, scumbag, scumbag, scumbag. Oh, look at that. He pistol whooped a pregnant woman. 
Well, well, well the captain owed some money previous too, so he's a scumbag too as well. Maybe. Oh no, yeah, no doubt. On death row. No Maybe doubt. He would have been on death row. It would be okay. But one yeah. more thing about because you mentioned about not having film of the uh, uh, the first Eric Garner rape. Um, right. Did you know that the the film of, of the choking, right? That, that there's several other films that are way longer, like 15 minute, 20 minute films of him. That whole scene. And, you know, people talk about that we need new police training and stuff like that. But you can see at the scene of the, of the, the crime there, he's, he's dead, obviously, on the ground. That EMS isn't coming to help him. And he's handcuffed behind his back. And there's a, a black sergeant, female sergeant, stepping over his body back and forth. So this isn't that the, the, there's bad training, a couple of bad apples. This is the policy, to keep a guy who's dying on the ground handcuffed and just step over his body. Now, you want to hear something really interesting? Because I went out and tried to get all those yep. videos, right? And you know who had him? Uh, Spike Lee had him, and he wouldn't give him. No to kidding. <laughs> okay, yeah. How did he get him? Well, like four year? I mean, how, how the hell did he get him? No, because no, people, you know, you know, he's a people. He, people sent them to him. People who were there sent. And by the way, you know the guy with, with the video that everyone's seen. That guy got arrested and, and thrown in jail. Uh, you know, oh, for wow. possession of a weapon for me like a year earlier. Yeah, he went to prison. Uh, but uh, a bunch of people sent longer videos uh, to uh, Spike Lee. And I got wind of this. I heard about it, and I contacted whatever it's called, Joint Productions, whatever it's called, right? Uh, and I contacted yeah. them through people. Yeah, I know <laughs> people who knew them. And uh, what do you call it? They joint. admitted, yeah, we have. They, they said, yeah, we have them, you know. Just, and they sent over a fax to us requesting it. We'll send it to you, and then, then okay, fax, and nothing comes. You know, months and months back and forth with them, and they would never send me these videos. Uh, yeah. So you, you never got them? No, I never got those. But you want to know what I did get? Uh, that a lot of people haven't heard either. Uh, a Spike Lee joint? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what happened. Uh, and he was smoking a joint. He forgot to send it to you. That's <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I think sometimes people are gatekeepers and they, and they uh, uh, control information. You know, I just uh, put up a show tonight about my personal experience with Al Sharpton. Um, that's, uh, I just played a repeat tonight uh, that people can find on my Spreaker channel. Uh, at Op uh, Opperman Report Spreaker channel. It's called uh, My Personal Experiences with Al Sharpton. Um, but uh, let me tell you about Trayvon Martin. Okay, another thing that people haven't heard. Oh yeah, everyone's yeah. heard. Yeah, everyone's heard uh, about a. By the way, Al Sharpton, a, real winner. <laughs> well, Al Sharpton, you know, is an FBI agent. And Al Sharpton worked for the FBI, uh, collecting, um, setting up cases for the FBI, and also too, he worked for the. You, did you know that Roger Stone was Al Sharpton's uh, uh, campaign manager? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, okay. you're talking about the deep state. That's it right there. They're part of it. Yeah, who, who uh, out, uh, Stone too? Yeah, Sharpton, Stone. All these people are part of the deep state. Are you kidding me? I mean, wh what do you think they're all turning on Trump when he's talking about draining the swamp? What do you think he's talking about? Trump still talks to Stone. I understand that, but he doesn't talk to Sharpton. <laughs> well, actually, you know. Oh, the, the, uh, Sharpton's, uh, what do you call it, the phone that he had, his red phone uh, that was uh, recorded, you know, when you picked it up, the FBI was recording it live in, in real time, uh, was in Trump Tower. It was in his girlfriend's apartment at Trump Tower. And, yeah, and no, they used to be buddies. There's pictures of them yeah. and uh, Jesse Jackson. I mean, they, Trump was in, in friends with all these people at one point. But let, let's not get too off track because I want to tell you about the Trayvon Martin because you were talking about how there was yeah, that tape yeah. with, and how that tape got to a – and there's another interesting thing, right? There's, um, um, there was that short two-minute um, recording, the 311 call. With, right, uh, with the girlfriend. Uh, 
There's no with Zimmerman, no with Zimmerman calling three one one about Trayvon Martin. Okay, yeah. Well that one's and, yeah. and they always they always ended it with the uh, Zimmerman leaving the car and them right. saying, Oh, well don't chase him, don't follow him and he says, Okay. And then it kinda ends there. You never hear anything more from that. Now mm-hmm. I, I've heard thousands of those uh three one one calls, nine one one calls. So I knew right away that there was more to it because there's a whole lot of stuff. You know, what is your location? You know, what does it look like? The police are coming. It's still there. You know, hold on. There's a whole thing that goes on <laughs> okay, with these three motor calls. They go yeah. on until the cops arrive. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I contact the, the local police department there and I says, hey, send me a copy of the 911 tape. You know, they, they want the complete 911 tape. And it's in Florida. It's, it's a Sunshine State. They send you everything, right? And normally, okay, when you do that, you get back a, 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 a what do you call it, like a, a form email saying, well, you know, there's no record of what you're requesting. And this time I got that form email saying, hey, there's no record of what you're requesting. Uh, but then I got a second email that said, hey, you don't want a 911 tape. You want a 311 tape. So it says resubmit. So I resubmit and I get the 311 tape. It's like four and a half minutes long. No one's heard it before. I listened to the entire tape, right? And it goes on, and Zimmerman is saying, um, they're asking him, well, well, where do you live? And he goes, I don't want to say my address out loud because I don't know where this guy is. He could show, he could be around the corner, he could be anywhere near me here. And he says, well, okay. And then he's saying, well, where are the police? Can you tell them to hurry up? I'm really nervous. It's a totally different picture of what went on at night. Right. And people talk, and by the way, too, they, they said to me, you know, people said, well, he called them because they called the cops because he saw a black guy. When they ask him, they says, is he white, black, or Hispanic? And he goes, well, I don't know. Let me see. Oh, yeah, he's coming closer. Yeah, he's black. So Zimmerman didn't call the cops on a black guy. He didn't know what this guy's color was. Also, too, the, the, uh, did you know that other people called the cops that night about Trayvon Martin? They heard him walking around in the rain there, and they says, hey, it's crazy. No one should be out there walking around in the rain. And we hear feet yep. uh, stomping around. It was Trayvon and, and Zimmerman tussling around. And by the way, two people who called up thought it was two black guys fighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I heard about that. Not only that, they, they, not only that, they had been uh, break-ins in the area uh, not yeah. long before. So, I mean, that's also part of, of the narrative that people don't understand. Uh, and not only that, ironically enough, when those breakings were, were, you know, were reported, he was up there with his dad. Ironic. Well, I just, I'm trying to find what this guy's name is. Guys, just had this guy on the show. You know how uh, Zimmerman is suing the family and he's suing the, uh, the lawyers and he's suing the state, stuff like that, right? Yeah. You heard about this recent, right? And everyone's saying, oh my God. How can Zimmerman be so cruel to sue the family after killing their son? This is outrageous. What is he suing them for? He's just being brutal and bitter and stuff. Joel Gilbert, okay? Look up my, look up my show I did with Joel Gilbert called The Trayvon Hoax, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, Joel Gilbert is not a guy that I share political views with. He clearly has a lot of uh, uh, con- concerns about blacks and race and stuff like that. And uh, right. it really seems to be on the racial, racially motivated, really concerned about people's race all the time. Okay? Now, but I got to take my hat off to Joel Gilbert because he did some excellent work. What he did was he got Trayvon Martin's cell phone records, okay? Because Sunshine, uh, Florida is a sunshine state. They have to uh-huh. give you any kind of record you ask for. Okay, it's great yep. down here. Correct, <laughs> yeah. Like, for a lawyer, really oh, yeah. Right you know? <laughs> for a PI, so even he, better. I know. Yeah. So he kind of, you know, he, he did a film called The Trayvon Hoax, a documentary, right? 
And when he, what he did was he kind of hoaxed, you know, uh, uh, hokeyed it up. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and uh, what he did was he went and printed out all the stuff from the uh, cell phone. You don't have to do that. They give you a disc, and it's a searchable disc you can use. That's how you would really do the investigation. But for the right, camera, you, right. know, you got this big carrying this big you know box of papers out and going through them one by one. But what he did find out in real life, real good, real because I, I do that cell phone stuff. You know, I've done it for years, man. I've sat there and gone through all those calls one by one, text messages one by one, and so I know what he did is a lot of work. And uh, he found out that the witness that they put up, you know, that fat black girl Chantel. Yep. Remember that? That's uh, not the her. one. That's, that's, that, that's, uh, that, that was the girlfriend. That's yeah. That's when I, I said the girlfriend. Nope. nope. That's the fake witness, man. That she never met Trayvon in her life. Her sister, or her half sister, or her cousin was dating Trayvon. It was oh, a wow. much younger, much prettier girl. And there's no doubt about this. Gilbert did a good job on this man. He throws his whole investigation away by being a racist. I hate to call him a racist because he's kind of a nice guy, but he's just way too focused on race. So, uh, I mean, how did they pass her off and nobody questioned this? I mean, because nobody dude, brought that this, up. Man. We, you got you to listen to, first of all, you got to get that's, documentary I mean, that's that's strange. Hooks, but, but listen to my interview that I did with the guy. They passed, dude, the, the original statement that was signed by Diamond, okay, which was, there, there was a real Diamond who was Trayvon's, now he, Trayvon was trying to get with Diamond. He really wasn't with Diamond. She had another boyfriend, okay? <laughs> he was trying to get with her. And this is her cousin who was like kind of retarded and can't read and stuff like that. But the <laughs> yeah, she really couldn't. <laughs> yeah, but the original statement signed by Diamond, that's, that's a statement that Diamond signed. Chantel gets on the witness stand and she says, it's a statement signed by somebody else. And, and she says, oh, yeah, I signed a diamond, but my name's Chantel. In any other case, in anywhere in the world, this wouldn't even make it to the witness stand. It's insane. Yeah, but it's a wrap two, right there, yeah. The, 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 the 311 call, call that I just explained to you exonerates uh, Zimmerman completely. But they never played all that, you know? I, I, the reason wow. why I, I'm, I'm so passionate about this, I got involved in that case. I was hired by the media to locate Zimmerman when he was on the run, and he had put up a website called The Real George Zimmerman. And um, I was able to get his email address and, and locate him by using his email address right before he turned himself in. So I could have sold that for a fortune, uh, but he turned himself in right before. So I was, I was pretty neck deep in that whole case and, and everything going on. I got the, the only copy of the 311 tape that I think anybody saw. I was supposed to go on HLN. Uh, with that uh, tape, you know, but in the last minute they canceled me. He's uh, also had a lot of like issues after that. I mean, it, it, uh, I mean, yeah. like you said, he was on the run for a while. Uh, he's been in and out of trouble. Uh, I mean, he's not helped his own cause when it comes to the no, his PR. No, absolutely not. Yeah, Gilbert's yeah. friends with him now, and so is uh, I forget the other guy's name uh, who I've had on my show a few times, Cashel, Jack Cashel. Um, now. They don't think Zimmerman was a racist to start with, and I don't think so either. You know, he seemed to have a normal life in the beginning of his life, but I think he was just so uh, traumatized by this whole situation, how he was treated. I think now he is a racist. Uh, but also, too, you know, one of his cases, his uh, domestic violence arrest, is another anomaly, okay? His girlfriend got pulled over, right, in her car. And she says, well, why don't you do something about my boyfriend who abused me uh, 48 hours ago? And they says, oh, really? Tell us all about it. It's, it's true. And they went and arrested George Zimmerman. <laughs> that never happens, man. If, if, yeah. if, you call, if a woman is bleeding from head to toe and she calls the cops and the cops show up at the house and the boyfriend's not there, okay, 
If he's gone for 48 hours, they don't go looking for him. The case is closed. And yeah. here's the way they open the case 48 hours after, after nothing with no injuries. Never happens, man. Ever. It's just the name. Yeah. That's all it is. I it's hate a, to say it. Yeah. It's a name. It, it, look, it, it gets that uh, department uh, in the headlines. They arrest Zimmerman. It's all PR at that point. A big yeah, arrest. And, and karma, like you said before. You know, karma you know, is a... Uh, yeah. Other issues, he, you know. The guy, guy has issues for sure. Man. Look, what happened uh, with him, in, uh, in, and I said this years ago, I actually I got into it with Rick Sanchez. You know him? Rick Sanchez? No, I don't think I do. Okay, he uh, he's a syndicated radio host uh, nationwide. He's actually, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Channel 7 WSVN here in, in the Miami area. Uh, he no. was uh, their local uh, anchor man for about 15, 20 years in the 90s. Uh, during the Andrew, uh, you know, hurricane, he worked, I think, at CNN or one of these uh, pundit networks uh, for a while. And he got thrown off for making some kind of, like, edgy, racially uh, comments against uh, John Stewart for being Jewish. And uh, he got kicked off the network, and then he started doing radio. And when the whole Trevon Morton thing happened, um, you know, he started really going off on Trevon and on Zimmerman. And I I called in and I engaged in conversation with him about my take on what happened, and it was one of those things where we were both locking heads so much that they had to go to commercial and they they went over. And mind you, this is AM radio; it's not like the internet. And they they were like hitting break and they like almost skipped their break to where the producer was like, "Don't hang up. This is really good radio. Just stay on the line. We're gonna, we have to go to commercial." So they went to commercial, they brought me back, I kept talking to uh, Rick uh, Sanchez, but the narrative that was going on back then, uh, I mean, there's no way that anybody, I think, thought that uh, Zimmerman was going to be let off, but when that trial was put together, and the way everything went down, I think, I, I, I mean, we're lucky we didn't get the riots and all the stuff we're getting now over George Floyd, and we're talking about a, young, a much younger kid, Trayvon Martin, if anybody was going to cause the kind of havoc that we're seeing now, it would have been him. And it didn't happen. The thing is, man, you know, uh, I've, I've spent a lot of time looking at that situation, and I think George Zimmerman was justified in shooting. You know, you see the back of his head, it's all bloody. Um, you got to take race out of it. You just got to, you know, follow the, the facts of the case and, and, and come to the logical conclusion. But it's interesting because you mentioned uh, the, some, this guy, um, Sanchez, um, uh -huh. because the, in all this, there was a local reporter who came to the same uh, results as uh, my guest, Joel uh, Gilbert, um, that uh, it was a different diamond, and who located diamond. And this guy, it appears, was dating diamond. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, he no kidding. Get out diamond of was gorgeous. Yeah, diamond's beautiful. As a matter of fact, uh, Joel Gilbert, in his documentary film, uh, he actually uh, kind of does a little ambush where he invites Diamond to a hotel uh, to, to buy some of her fashion and stuff like that. And she shows up uh -huh. and tape records and stuff like that. Beautiful young lady, man, that, that Martin was in love with, man, and, and texting her every five minutes, you know. Why hasn't she been more vocal? Well, that's a good question, you know, or her ex-boyfriend who she was cheating on. Like, why doesn't he speak out? I, I, you know, right. I asked, Gilbert's the one leading this thing, you know, maybe I should get involved. I mean, if she I thinks asked, about it, she can write a book and make money off of this thing. That's true, too. But but then again, she would be in, in trouble for perjury and, and putting up a false witness. That's a, that's a let me tell you, major issue, the, yeah. 
<laughs> the DA in this case, okay, and, and they all know, you know, and I think Crump was involved in this too, and the family, they all know that she was a fake witness. There's no, if you watch the documentary or you li- even listen to the interview, there's no doubt that that was a fake witness in that case, you know. I, I, don't think know anybody, I don't think anybody in America believed by the side of Kachov, but I don't think anybody in America believed that he was dating that girl. I mean, she, yeah. I mean, everybody said, like, really? Like, because Trayvon wasn't, a, like, a bad-looking kid. I mean, he was, you know, right. young young guy, skinny. She was hideous, Ed. Had, and, had nothing going for her. She couldn't talk. She couldn't. <laughs> she couldn't nothing. Was, I mean, it what, I was like, what did they get this? Like, even now, I questioned I it. I was it, like, he was dating her? The time was. Yeah, at the time, I figured that she was supplying him with the the, the coating, you know, for the the lean, you know, that stuff with the tri- right. uh, uh, Skittles and iced tea, and then you put coating in it. So I figured she right, was the supplier right. for that. But no, that wasn't it. Um, Don't uh, but, you know, sense, but, but back to Gilbert, though. Back to Gilbert. See, because now Gilbert tries, he does his great work, and then he tries to make it seem like, that. well, it's all racially motivated, blah, 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 blah. But then again, I asked him, I says, hey, have you ever listened to the entire uh, four-minute 311 call? Uh-huh. And he doesn't even know what I'm talking about. He has no idea what I'm talking about. He never listened to it. It exonerates Zimmerman. So there's yep. a lot of forces and factors in these stories uh, that yeah. uh, want to shape it in a way to manipulate the public. Now, I don't know, Angel, if you, you know my background, but I've been involved in, in many 24-7 news stories. I was the investigator, the, the digital forensic investigator in the Tiger Woods case, okay? Yep. A 24-hour, you know, I, was, I did all the phones in that case. I vetted out all the women in that case. I was the guy who, um, uh, and Charlie Sheen, okay? My client was Capri Anderson. Uh, oh, Charlie okay. Sheen attacked yeah. that young girl in the, in the hotel in New York City. Uh, that uh-huh. was my case, too. You know, my, my client, Keith Davidson, is the one that sued Charlie Sheen. Winning. Now, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, Charlie Sheen's a, a, you know, a creepy guy, man. You know, his, his ex-wife, yeah. uh, uh, Richards, uh, said that she found child porn on his um, uh, computer and phones and stuff like that. Oh, I for it. sure. She said it, yeah. Oh, she said it in court. And uh, Well, you, you know her. that Corey Feldman recently uh, pointed right. him out as being uh, the, the, the rapist of Corey Ames. Yeah, now what happened with that was I did a show years ago called Let's Look at the Clues, Corey Feldman. Let's, and I came to the same conclusion that it was Charlie Sheen. And Corey Feldman retweeted that uh, that show. Uh, then I was contacted by Judy Haim, who was uh, um, uh, who's, uh, Corey Haim's, Corey Haim's mother. Corey mom, you know? yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, I dealt with her, and I put her in touch with a lawyer to help her out and stuff like that. And um, it turns out, my conclusion, I had all the Corey's angels on my show, all of them you know, talking about uh, Corey Feldman and his bizarre behavior. Right. I came to the final conclusion that uh, people were paid off and that they would have to go back and get permission from someone. I always believed it was Sheen. Uh, before they would continue with me and, and come back to me with an answer, I would say, well, we can do this, we can do that, we can get your lawyer here. We can and they'd say, okay, well, we have to get back to you. They had to go back and check with somebody all the time. Uh, so right. my conclusion was that settlements were made and NDAs were signed years ago. Now, Corey Feldman contacted me. He wanted to use portions of my show in this big documentary where he did all this stuff, you know? Now, right. it's 
inconclusive because I've been told by some people that, yeah, he did use my material. And I've been told by other people, no, he didn't. So I don't know what. But but Feldman, at this point, Feldman has me blocked <laughs> on Twitter. No kidding. And, uh, he, wants, he wants to use my material, but he doesn't want to tweet with me. <laughs> okay. so How does that work? That. Yeah, like, put the bridge, Corey Feldman. <laughs> Burn it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually ran into Feldman. He was out in front of the hotel. I think it was the Wynn Hotel in Vegas. And I saw him there with my daughter. And I says, hey, you know what? Let me go talk to him. And my kid says, no, 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 dad. Don't want to leave him alone. Don't bother But he was there with like, you know, I don't know, man. There's a lot of allegations out there about Feldman himself and his behavior. And for him to be excusing Michael Jackson and what Michael Jackson's been up to um, is, uh, you know, beyond belief there too as well. Um, I actually had a guy who worked for me back in New York um, who uh, his dad worked on the uh, one of the Michael Jackson's tour. Uh, and um, Al Sharpton promoted that tour, and so did Michael Francis, the the mafia guy, who then became like right. boarding and Christian. And uh, there, yeah, yep. So I was telling him about you know my my relationship with Al Sharpton, and he said, "No, no, no, Al Sharpton's a bad guy." And I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Let me tell you something. Michael Jackson was caught with little boys on the tour, and Al Sharpton covered it up." And uh, so, and I said, well, listen, let's go to the National Enquirer. I can sell this story for you. And he said, no, 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 wait. These are dangerous people. We won't get involved with these people at all. So uh, this was uh, about three years before the first case came out, Jordy Chandler case came out. So, I always question that case, though, because, I mean, let me tell you something. If my son was molested, I don't care if it's the king of pop, the king of England, right. or, or Jesus himself, if somebody rapes my child... I'm cutting their heads off, Ed. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. There's no getting away from that. I don't care how many millions you throw in my face, whether it's 10, 20, 30. It doesn't matter. If you molest my child, it's a wrap for you. Like, you're done. And whether I go to prison or whether, you know, I make sure the law takes, you know, you into prison and the inmates deal with you, one way or the other, you're going to be off the streets quick. Like, there's no justification for any father to take a payout when their son's raped. So, I mean, when when, you, when you're when well, you dealing with, and especially the father, you got to remember, he wrote um, the movie, um, the, yeah. the, the, the script the for uh, the Mel Brooks movie, Robin Hood Men in Tights. He wrote that. And he was part he, of that script. Here's the thing with that. Let me take up things with this angel. And one thing is, um, the father was way better than the mother, okay? Um, the mother... This went on right under her nose. Okay, Jackson stayed at that little boy's in his bedroom for like 90 days, never leaving the room. She would leave a plate of food on the door. They'd open up the door, pull the food, you know. Okay, and then, it, so there's all that. Now, I actually saw a transcript, okay, of a conversation between my private investigator, Anthony Policano, and the father, where they were negotiating over all this. And if you listen to that transcript, they weren't just negotiating for money. They, they were negotiating. Jackson wanted the kid back, Okay. That's what they were paying for, okay, to, for the kid to come back. And the father fought against that. Now, thirdly, I'll tell you this. Um, the investigators in that case were Anthony Pelicano, and a guy that works for him is a guy named Paul Baresi, okay? I've had Paul Baresi on my show. Paul Baresi worked for the defense of Michael Jackson. Paul Baresi's come on my show, and I've talked to him off the air in private, because I was hired to, to, to with the, the Neverland case, uh, leaving Neverland story, uh, uh-huh. to prove that when the, uh, the, the train station was built. Now, but the thing is, Paul Baresi, what worked for the defense in that case, he's come on my show, and he says, yeah, of course Michael Jackson was guilty. We all knew he was guilty. 
Okay? And he was involved with payoffs and stuff like that. So there's no doubt in my mind that Jackson's guilty of what he's been accused of. Like I said, my people, my friends that I know talked about him molesting a kid three years before any story um, hit the news, before anyone, any case was out there or any payoffs was out there. But again, doesn't it skip the fact that even the father is guilty? I mean, everybody was involved. I, know, man. I, I mean, yeah. the mom, the father, if they allow that kind of stuff. And the father, he committed suicide, Jordan Chandler's father. And uh, he left a, supposedly a, a note saying that they had made the whole thing up. And No, uh, I, I don't was, know about that, man. He, he's dead. I don't think it was suicide. Uh, but like I said, man. I've maybe had, he was like, suicided I'm, like Epstein. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. I'm fr- I'm friends with with Baresi, so you know I, he's not gonna lie to me about what happened there. You know we've become friends since then. We've worked on other things. So and but he even had gave me a whole case file too because uh, when I was working, I was hired to prove uh, when the uh, train station was built to uh, uh, to corroborate. But the they, they got that wrong though in the uh, the Neverland videos. I mean they they got the dates wrong on when the the train station was built. So that was okay. part of. Now, let me tell you. Okay, that's interesting. Now, here's the deal with that, okay? Um, there is a, a architectural permit out there, right? Right. Uh, that claims uh, the date that thing was built. Now, here's the problem, though, is that, um, first of all, that stamp doesn't I, – I, I have every permit that was um, – I'll send it to you. I have every building permit for Neverland for that period of time, okay? And okay. that is not in there, okay? And the ones that are in there uh, have a different kind of stamp on them. Now, I was told, even by the guy who obtained that uh, sketch, that photographer in England, he says, well, I got this. I didn't get this through the building department. I got it through other sources. So, you know, I'm, I'm very on top of that whole thing, man. Now, you know, the thing is, the people that hired me, okay, I'll tell you up front, they're satisfied that uh, the, the, the naysayers are correct about the, when it was built, uh, but I personally am not, and I could continue that investigation because I think the building department's in on it and part of the cover-up. What, to like help uh, the Jackson? The, yeah, to help Jackson and the Jackson supporters and the Jackson fanatics. By the way, listen, but why would they, why would they do that? that? Like, I, don't, I don't understand why would they even want to involve Santa Maria, in that kind Santa of Maria is a very small town. It's a tiny little farming town. Okay, I, One of the guys uh-huh. who does my cell phone forensics is a big cop in that town. He worked at security down there at the courthouse. Okay, and uh, what he, It's a very small town. Uh, Michael Jackson was a huge employer in that town. He had huge influence in that town. And uh, just like you know, Epstein had influence and power in his little small towns that he lived in, right. in Virgin Islands and uh, in uh, what he called uh, New Mexico over there. So it's right. the same kind of thing. Um, but don't think, okay, by the way, that I'm some anti-Michael Jackson fanatic because I did a, j- a job for the Jackson family too, okay? Uh, back during the Scott Peterson case, I was hired to do some work on that uh, and um, – Remember Mark Garagos was working, you know, he worked for Scott Peterson. He also worked for Mike, Michael Jackson. Correct. So he that saw some that. work yeah. I did in that case. And uh, later on, he started referring cases to me. And the Jackson family sent me an email trace, trace investigation to me as well. So I did some work for them as well, too. Uh, you know, not child molestation work. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like Boresi and Pelicano did. But, you know, a simple little, you know, whatever problem they had, you know. What do you? I mean, what do you think of like uh, people like Macaulay Culkin and all these other folks who have come out saying that Jackson never touched them or, or did anything to them? Do you think that that's all made up? That they all were molested, also. Well, you know, I don't know. Culkin seems to have his own problems, you know. 
Um, I couldn't tell you, you know, I I don't know any direct facts. I can only tell you what I know, you know what I mean? Um, And I do know a lot about Michael Jackson. I I even interviewed uh, Mr. Hudnell, uh, and it was even mentioned in the Vanity Fair article that I did a report on the Hudnell incident. Uh, James Hudnell was in a comic book store, and Michael Jackson came into the comic book store with a little boy and went into the men's room. And it wasn't like a, a men's room with several stalls and urinals and stuff like that. It was like a one toilet men's room. And right. Michael Jackson went into the men's room with a little boy. He was in there for like 30 minutes, you know? So, you know, there, there's so much out there. Yeah. I, but how much I, of that I, is true, though? I mean, that, you know, like, that's the thing. You know, stories pass around, and one thing becomes uh, made up, and then somebody tells somebody. And, then, you know, when it comes to stories, is there video footage of him entering the store? Is there any hard evidence? That's where I get lost not, in a lot of this because, it, yeah, you know, you can tell me that Michael Jackson did, did all these terrible things, but there's no meat. It's like in you, the world of UFOs and paranormal. Everybody swears to see aliens and UFOs, but nobody has any evidence. Where's the smoking gun in a lot of these things? Well, the thing is, you know, Jack Gordon and Latoya Jackson went to the prosecutor. Before they ever went to the press, they went to the prosecutor. Oh, she's got her own problems, though, right? <laughs> Latoya. I, oh, man. She, well, you, do you know Jack Gordon's background? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I know Latoya. Yeah, I know all the other backgrounds. Jack Take Gordon was in the massage parlor yeah. business, and every partner he ever had died. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And then he got caught uh, planting a bomb onto Harry Reid's car, okay? Yeah. Real character, Gordon. Not a good guy. Not a, not a winner. Yeah. <laughs> right, but the thing is, though, it is a fact. They went to the DA's office. They went to the prosecutor before they ever went to the press. They were getting no satisfaction from the DA, so they went to the press. Now, listen, you know, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind. That Jackson's guilty of this stuff. Like I said, my friends, people I know personally who worked on that tour were talking about this before it was ever in the news, before anybody was saying things about Michael Jackson molesting little kids. I've had Diane Diamond on my show, who has done incredible work on this case. I've had Dan O'Hanks on my show, who was the private investigator for Diane Diamond's and Inside Edition, all that kind of stuff like that. Huge case files in this case. By the way, you want to hear something really good, too? Um, yeah, yeah. Not good, but in- interesting. Is well, that, did you know... Uh, the Menendez brothers? That, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that their father uh, was the manager for Menudo, uh, that, that little Puerto Rican uh, boy band. Yeah, and, yeah, with Ricky Martin yeah. there. Yeah. Right, and their father took the Menendez brothers to Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch. And also, too, did you know that Donald Trump let his kids hang out with Michael Jackson? Well, Michael Jackson stayed, and this is a story that a lot of folks yeah. don't, don't know, he stayed at Trump Towers for a couple of years with his kids. Oh, really? Yeah, and not only that, uh, when Michael, and I know this story intimately, when Michael met Trump, it was uh, during a charity event in the, I think it was like 88 or 89, and Michael told uh, Donald about a kid in uh, who was dying of cancer, or I'm sorry, of AIDS, uh, named Ryan White. And he told them about this kid and how they're starting up a charity to help him pay for his medical bills and whatnot. And he asked uh, Donald if he wanted to, wanted to go down and, and meet the kid and maybe help with the charity. Donald went. Uh, the show you can see the whole footage on YouTube. There's uh, footage. It's pretty long, and uh, it shows the two of them going into the kid's house. Again, he's dying of AIDS, and uh, they spend a little time with him. You can see when they're coming out, like Donald's face is like. Teary-eyed. You could tell you like, he was really affected by it. 
and uh, the kid died shortly after that of AIDS. Now, he got AIDS through a blood transfusion. It wasn't like he was a gay kid or anything like that. Or, or he was doing needles. And, or, and it was, yeah, uh, yeah Ryan was a Yeah, yeah, he was, he was a completely, you know, nice kid. And, uh, you know, Donald was so moved by it that he helped pay for the medical expenses, the funeral, the entire thing. You know, Donald is kind of a strange uh, dude because he, he, you know, when you're a billionaire and you're at that level, you're going to interact with all kinds of people. He's also a huge Elton John fan, which a lot, a lot of people don't know. And they're like, he's so homophobic, really? His favorite singer is Elton John. Real homophobic. Well, you know what? You yeah. gave a free apartment, too, to, to Liberace. You know? Yeah. And as a, so a photograph, get this, of, of Liberace, uh, uh, Thornton, uh, uh, oh my God, uh, I forget his name, Thor- Thornton, uh, you know, the guy who was the 14 year old kid that Liberace was molesting. And, okay, and Michael yeah, Jackson. I don't know who it is, but I don't remember the name. Scott, Scott Thornton. Oh, oh, you got Oh, you got to look into this, Scott Thornton. This is an incredible story. He's in prison right now. Um, and uh, that's still Matt Damon. Matt Damon played him in the movie, right? Right, right, right. That's, yes. And so right after that movie, Scott Thorson, who's had a whole life of trouble, man, uh, he had a um, a case. He went to a motel with some guy and he stole his credit cards and stuff. You know. So wow. And, and, uh, Dennis Hoff got a deal for him because he was living with Dennis Hoff. Dennis Hoff got a deal for him where he could get out of that by going to rehab, and he didn't meet the appointment. He got like thirty years, man. Okay, and it's like no way to wow. get him out now. But th- but Scott Thorson, okay, too, but who was being raped when Liberace was fourteen years old. There's a picture yeah. of him in a in a uh, Rolls Royce with Michael Jackson, Liberace on the property of a guy who was a known pedophile in like Buckingham Palace. I always call it Buckingham Palace. It's not Buckingham Palace. It's another castle over there in England, with some, run by some pedophile. But now the thing is, Scott Thorson was the witness in the Wonderland murders. Four on the floor. Wow. Murders. You know that case? No. Yeah, yeah no kidding. He's the guy, man. He was at Eddie Nash's house buying uh, uh, speed and crack when they, they Eddie Nash's go there and killed them. <laughs> he was at, Wow. And then he went into, yeah, oh no, it's a fascinating guy. I tried to get him on the show, but I, I still could. I became friends with Hoff, you know, and um, he was he was taking care of Heidi Flies. He was taking care of this guy, and I could Another get him case. on the show. Yeah. What was that? Another big case, the Heidi Fleiss. Yeah, yeah, I ran into Heidi Fleiss. At, uh, she lived in Vegas uh, at um, uh, Home Depot or Lowe's, one of those kind of places once. Um, Is she, was she working there now? Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure she, she, she's... She, uh, she owned a, a, a puppy daycare center, you know, in Vegas. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, she owned a laundromat, too, at one point. Uh, I got a really good guest on my show uh, named Jody Williams. Who knows? She was a madam, too, in, in a... Uh, California around that same time, and uh, she knows everybody, man. She knows Heidi Fly, she knows uh, um, Palfrey, um, Hoff, um, and uh, a lot of these people. She thinks that Hoff was murdered, you know. Uh, and a lot of stuff. Uh, she she has some great information too about Iran Contra. That uh, Iran Contra wasn't just coke and guns. They were also smuggling women down to uh, yeah, South America, yeah. too, as well. Women, yeah. children. I mean, yeah. there was all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But does that shock you, though, Ed? I mean, they, look, human trafficking, child trafficking, that's been going on for, for many, many years. In fact, about eight years ago, I did a show with a gentleman by the name of Lennon Honors. And a uh, real nice uh, gentleman. He's a, a YouTuber, and I had him on the show. And we were talking about Michael Jackson, of all things. 
and uh, he had been researching uh, the cases for a long time. And one of the things you know that he brought up was that Michael probably was guilty of uh, some of the molestation stuff that you know was liable was uh, you know brought up. Uh, maybe the Chandler, maybe you know the other stuff uh, later on. Uh, but one thing he said for a fact, and, and he was 100% sure about this, was that Michael was a victim of child molestation himself. Oh, yeah. And oh, that yeah. something. this is how they got to him. They got to him when he was very young. They molested him, and that's how they indoctrinated all these kids. So it's part of the programming in Hollywood where if you are a, a budding child superstar, you're going to go through that, you know, those hands. And that's what we're seeing coming out now. That's what Corey Feldman is saying. That's what a lot of these people are, are finally are talking about, which needs to have that dialogue out in public. We need to get these people exposed. You remember that show, um, Head of the Class? I don't even remember that show in the uh, 80s, Head of the Class. There's a fat guy uh, on the show. Uh, he, I forget his name now, but he was like the fat dude of the head of the class. Anybody who's ever seen that uh, knows what okay. I'm talking about. Uh, anyway, he he went on to uh, work on Nickelodeon and a bunch of other networks later on where he was the producer and he made shows. Like, uh, he made a lot of, like, you know, big hit shows for these networks, um, including one with, the one with Shia LaBeouf that was big on for a while. Are you talking about the, the, the Nickelodeon guy that there were people in the audience masturbating while the shows were going on and stuff like that? And it was right. And he, and he had like a fetish for feet and all kinds of craziness. Yeah. And he was also looked at as a possible pedophile. I mean, this it doesn't shock me, any, it shocked me anymore because this has been an institution that's been going on for a hundred years in Hollywood. Hollywood has been covering up for pedophiles, uh, for, you know, closet homosexuals. You go back to Elvis. Elvis married Priscilla. How old was she when, yeah. he, when he married her? 14, 15? Yeah, yeah. Jerry Lewis. Yeah, and Buddy Holly. Yeah, Buddy Holly. Jerry Lewis married his 13-year-old cousin. So yeah. why is anybody quick, shocked? i got a case point? right now that I'm working on um, where we're suing Disney. Uh, oh, Jordan wow. Pruitt. You want to look her up. Uh, she came on my show. And uh, she told her story about how she she was working on the High School Musical tour for Disney, and she had this country music producer, and uh, he started molesting her. And it, it wasn't even like one of these things where wow. oh I was in love with him, I was young, I was loving. This guy was brutal. He was abusive. He was starving her. Everyone on the tour knew what was going on. And um, so after the show, uh, she calls me back and I says, Hey, do you know? Who, I said, Do you have a lawyer for this? And she goes, no, I don't have a lawyer. I said, well, do you know who I am? And she goes, yeah, you're that PI that puts together these cases. I said, do you want a lawyer? <laughs> she goes, yeah. <laughs> so I got a hold of my lawyer, and he hopped on a plane the next day, signed up. We're settling this case uh, this month, okay, against Disney and against uh, this country music guy, jerk off. Um, brutal case, horrible case. So, yeah, man, this is what I do. You know, if, if you have a case like this where you're being, you know, I, I did the case too, the Jeffrey Epstein case, um, the 2016 lawsuit against Epstein and Trump. That's my case too as well. Um, and I, I vetted out a couple other Epstein cases too as well. Some some uh, successfully and some uh, we couldn't get enough proof and some were just outright liars, uh, just yeah. making up stories and stuff like that we'd be able to prove. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's what I do, man. This is my thing right now. You know, I'm working on these kind of cases. Um, like you said, Hollywood. Uh, if you got a case like that, you know, uh, yeah, and you know, I'll tell you something else, Angel. You know, you see a lot of these people on Twitter and stuff like that, and they, they tell you these stories, and they're, they're an insider, they're a whistleblower. Uh -huh. They're talking about my cases sometimes, you know, and I contact them. I says, well, listen, you know, you're talking about my case. Would you like to talk to me? It's my case. 
you know? And, oh, no, I have no time to talk to you. I'm busy tweeting. Okay, man, dude, there's a lot of bullshit out there, man. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of disinfo, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I could, I could, you know, I got a lot of stuff out there, man. Uh, oh, but, you know, uh, it's, you were, it's funny you mentioned Twitter. I, I got into yeah. a, a little tweet war uh, with <laughs> Billy Baldwin from the Baldwin oh, Brothers. Yeah. He's a special kind of human being, a uh, complete socialist, uh, leftist, uh, and uh, he openly admits uh, his, even his father was. And uh, I, you know, I replied to a tweet of his, and I asked uh, because he was talking about uh, defunding the police and Black Lives Matter and all this stuff. And I did, and I tweeted to him, uh, "Let me," and I asked, "I was like, Bill, let me ask you, uh, Billy, uh, has uh, Alec ever told you how many children he molested on the pedophile island?" And how many times he's been to the uh, resort? Because he's all over the place. He's in the book. So, uh, uh, do you want to talk about that? Is it a waste you know, of time on this nonsense? I tell you, Angel. The thing is, okay, the guy who found the book was Daniel Hanks, okay, and I have all his files. Daniel Hanks is the guy who was hired by the British tabloids to to get the flight logs and then the book and uh-huh. story. Then, okay, and um, anybody talking to you, okay, about the island, okay, or the flights, the planes. That's all disinformation. It's all Mossad disinformation, okay? And I can tell you this, man, because the Mossad called me up, okay, <laughs> when, I, when I was having a guest <laughs> on my show. Okay, I'm deep, in, I'm deep in this, man. Okay, I've been interviewed by the BBC. They contact all these people writing these books, uh, the Ronan Farrow book, the what do you call it, the one uh, – I've talked to all these people, you know? Now, uh, they, they want you to think that these crimes took place on a plane and an island. Right. And the last litigation that they came out with, where they're suing, I think it was either Maxwell or Dershowitz, I forget, um, they show a graphic of all the flight patterns, okay? The majority of these crimes took yep, place in Palm Beach that. and New York yeah. City. And a lot of them took place in, in New Mexico. But whenever you hear a pedo island and Lolita Express, those are phrases, catchy catchphrases that were invented by the Mossad that were put out by their press agent. I don't want to say her name, who wrote a book about this, and she's been on my show as well. She's an apologist for these people. She's friends with these people. And her publisher is a Mossad agent, Victor Ostrovsky. Okay? So, you know, there's a lot of stuff in this, man, okay, that uh, it's really easy for, you know, people that aren't literally involved directly, and even people that are literally involved directly, uh, there's so much confusion and, and disinformation and litigation galore going back and forth that makes no sense. So this no, is, it, it, it does when you think about it because Epstein was involved with so many people. I mean, there's so many layers to the story of, you know, his suicide. Real quick, let me tell you a couple of things. First of all, when we wrest control of Epstein's partners uh, and wrest control from them of running that trust in the in the Virgin Islands, I'm going to be hired to work for the victims to, on a panel to decide who gets what's money, okay? That, that's wow. what's going on in the future. The, the real stuff going on in that case is going on in the Virgin Islands. That's why people should be looking on right now. Yep. Let me tell you something else we stumbled on, Okay. And then I gotta go. Okay, so it's late. Yeah, we have about ten minutes before we gotta go anyway. Ten thirty, I would have strangled you, man. I love you. (laughs) No, we're we're gonna be out, but you you know, this has been such a fascinating conversation. I didn't, I didn't want to end. Thirty late for me, bro. I'm in bed seven (laughs) o'clock. And no, and you're lucky because I normally take my guest at eleven, but I made an exception for you. Never, (laughs) never, man. I love you, Angel, but never. Real quick, we stumbled on this. Okay, we stumbled on this about nine months ago. There's a guy out there named Johnny Vedmore. He lives in uh, Welsh or the UK, something like that. 
great guy, young guy. I really like him. Um, I had him on about Theresa May, but then he comes on and he wrote this article about the Bond girl, Jeffrey Epstein associate that nobody's talking about, Nicole Junkerman. Okay. And Nicole Junkerman was on Epstein's plane, right? But the thing is, all the other people you see these flights with Epstein, he had a bunch of people. She was on privately, just her and Epstein privately. Right. Then we find out she has all these kind of, she was involved with the elite modeling agency. Okay. She was a model with the elite modeling agency. Now, suddenly now, this chick's a billionaire. Okay. A gambling website, all this kind of stuff, you know, hanging out with Hobnobble with billionaires and stuff like that. Now she's a billionaire herself. She, get this, man. Okay. She invested, and Epstein had a small investment in a company that developed an app in, uh, in England for NHS, National Health Services, whatever they right? that if you get sick, you get into an accident or whatever, there's an app on your phone that will tell, that will tell people around you that you're sick and you're falling, you're falling down, and, and releases your entire medical records uh, to EMS or whatever, anybody who's nearby you. Right. Guess what? That same software right now is the software that they're using for social distancing. No kidding. No kidding. And, and, and also, look, what was Jeff Epstein's association with Bill Gates? Why was he meeting with Bill Gates? Yeah. 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 And no Mr. one's talking Vaccine. about this at all. You want to know yeah, why no one's talking about this, bro? Because when we did that show, and it went up on, you know, it went up on all my platforms and stuff like that, but also went up on YouTube, Nicole Junkerman started suing all over the place, flying, uh, filing laws, defamation lawsuits in Denmark and in Germany and England, all this place. Get, and I'd get a notice every couple of months. Oh, your video's been taken down from Denmark. Your video's been taken down. So she's really upset about this, okay? And she's really fighting back. I've had Vedmore back on the show just to you know, stick a poke a stick in these bastards, man. <laughs> you know, I don't come back and talk about even more of this, man, because we're not, we're not lying down for these bastards. But, uh, you know, it's a whole side of the story that no one's talking about, nobody knows about. That we just kind of stumbled on. And, and when we started talking about it, we didn't know about that she has the software. Epstein invested in the software. Uh, that's the social distancing software. Wow. I know, man. That, I know. That, that, man, let me tell you something. Man. If that entire thing is legit, that explains why we're going through everything we're going through now. It's yeah, all meant to cover up the I death of Epstein. To, I hate to. Yeah, I hate to. It kind of explains. Cause I don't think Epstein's dead. I don't. I think they walked him out of there. You know? Oh yeah, uh, no, no, no. So do I. But it's to cover. It's to cover it all up and do misinformation and like throw people yeah. off the track and. Wow. Hoffenberg spent time in MCC. I have other friends that have been. In, I've been at MCC interviewing witnesses and clients. Okay, it's it's a back in the eighties when I was there, but it's a corrupt jail, corrupt, uh-huh. corrupt, corrupt. Epstein, you can see in photographs, he's got like eight jumpsuits in his in his room there, man. Extra blankets, extra. You can't. That's you can't get that. <laughs> <laughs> how do, yeah, how do you get the guy who was literally put it into like a position where like they thought he was suicidal? Now he's back in population. You give him all these sheets. By the way, the guards just so happen to fall asleep. The cameras weren't working. My goodness, all these coincidences. How does that all happen to a guy who was that high profiled? You can't have a guy that high level in the side and CIA uh, and just let him twist in the wind. Because because the whole deal is, okay, you know that the um, – what's his name? Maxwell. I forget the father's name. 
I keep thinking Jordan Maxwell, but I don't think it's Jordan Maxwell. But the father. No, no, like he's going to be on my show next month. Jordan Maxwell. Funny you mention him. Oh, That's a different guy. <laughs> Robert Maxwell, who's a, who was Mossad's CIA, uh, who uh, Rupert Murdoch swept in and bought up all his black military. He was the father of Ghislaine Maxwell, who's a, who's an interesting character in herself. Man, she spent a month down in a submarine. Uh, she's flying helicopters, doing all this kind of stuff. She's a licensed pilot. That uh, was seen. Uh, you know, she's the one that procured these these uh, little girls from from Trump uh, Mar-a-Lago. Uh-huh. What do you call? It? And, and so the theory is that they got they inherited all of um, Maxwell's blackmail there, her and um, Epstein. So now you have a lineage of intelligence agents, right? Now, if I'm working for the CIA or the Mossad, and you know, and they got, I watch. These guys twist in the wind and get thrown in prison and allowed to be either killed or rot in jail. I'm not going to let my kid go into this, follow me into this business. It's not going to happen. So they Correct. had to take care of their own in order to, to – to, so there wasn't an uproar and an uprising. What do you think? They're not afraid of their own people? You know, Of course they are. You know? Yep. Anyway, bro. They eat themselves so alive. You know, Ed, thank you for being here. And uh, listen, uh, again, give everybody the uh, the details when your show airs, uh, where they can find it. I know they can listen to it here when we replay it. But uh, once again, I tell everybody how to get to you directly. You can find me at OppermanReport.com. I have a member section there with, with like 250 shows, exclusive stuff you're not going to find yep. anywhere. The documents, i got all the Epstein documents in there. i got the Trump uh, University lawsuit documents there. I, I have exclusively the 24-page letter that where Epstein claims that he created the Clinton Foundation. Okay? Yeah, right. I believe that. I got, stuff yeah. on it. I got stuff on there no one has, okay? I have documents on there from the McMartin Preschool, from the, the geologist who went there with ground-penetrating radar and saw with his own eyes a hand-dug room underneath the uh, detached garage that was later corroborated by leaked uh, FBI, my released FBI documents. OppermanReport.com. I'm on Spreaker. You could find there. There's a chat room. S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. There's a chat room there. I release new content. I, I play repeats every night at 7 p.m., uh, but there's new content that goes up every Friday and Saturday. If you're living in a, you know, in the real world, you don't go on the internet, and you can find me on a KSHP in Las Vegas, 10 p.m., KCAA, uh, AM and FM in California, Los Angeles, uh, Riverdale, Red, you know, all over the place in California. It's a huge signal. Down here in uh, Florida, huge signal, man, all the way from, damn, northern Tampa all the way down to, like, Venice. It's a huge signal down here, man, and I've really got a lot of great response down here. Um, and also, to in Utah, KYAH. It's a pretty decent signal up there. You can reach some stuff. Oh, I'm looking for advertisers. You want to advertise, get a hold of me. Um, if you got a case and you want to hire a PI and you need a lawyer, you've been a, a victim of a personal injury or a sexual assault, a sexual battery, um, STDs, um, car accident, anything like that, get a hold of me, man. I'll put you in touch with a lawyer. I'll write up your case for you for free and present it to one of my attorneys, and we'll get you some justice in your case. There you go. Guys, look him up if you need him. He's available, and uh, he's one of the best at the business that he's in. Uh, Ed, by the way, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm i good friends, and my show also airs on SoFloor Radio. Since you're a SoFloor guy here down here in Florida, I'm going to make sure that we start uh, simulcasting your show over there on SoFloor Radio also, uh, which is a, a huge network. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Neil Rogers and George Rodriguez from the 80s and 90s. Uh, in 2000s, they were on AM radio down here for about two and a half, almost three decades. And uh, Neil passed away in 2010. George uh, has his own online network, so I'm going to try to get you on the uh, social stream as well. But thank you so much for being here for an hour and a half, man. You're 
awesome for doing this and uh, appreciate it. We like I said, you know, we love having you here on PSN with us and look forward to uh, continuing the relationship, bro. Like I said, you got to build those bridges, not tear them down. Now, Angel, like I've always said, man, you've been out of all the station owners I've dealt with, man. You're, you're right up there, man. And I know I'm not easy to deal with, man. Okay, I got my own problems. And they've always t- tolerated me and put up with me. So thank you so much, brother. No, no problem. Well, you're a professional in that. That's all I ask for is be a pro, and you are definitely that. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Go to bed. Sleep tight you and stay COVID man, I'm gonna free. Sleep good. I'm going to sleep good, bro. <laughs> good night. Take care of yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the great Ed Opperman. Again, uh, the Opperman Report, please check out his website. It's a, a great uh, you know, show. And uh, anybody who uh, wants to listen to not only more of what you know we spoke about tonight, uh, but just listen to like his take on everything. And as you saw, we don't always agree on, on everything. I, like Personally, I, I don't think Michael was a child molester. I think he was molested personally, uh, but, you know, at the same time, I do think there's a lot of shady things that happen. Michael was definitely kind of a weird dude, uh, but, you know, he's not here to defend himself, and I find a lot of holds in the stories of uh, the people involved who accused him. So, uh, you know, that's just my take. Everybody has their own take, but Ed is a, a great dude, and again, a, a fantastic uh, podcast and show, and uh Check him out. Check his work out. And if you need legal advice, that's the man to talk to. So, guys, we're going to be back next week with another live show. And, uh, in fact, I'm booked solid till September, pretty much. And I just uh, did some really big bookings. And I'm not joking. I, you know, I told uh, Ed right now because he mentioned Jordan uh, Maxwell. And uh, he mentioned, uh, I think he didn't know the Jordan Maxwell that I referenced. Uh, but I just booked uh, Jordan Maxwell, the Jordan Maxwell, the famous, iconic, one and only Jordan Maxwell, the uh, the person that everybody in paranormal ufology, whatever, uh, conspiracies uh, that, that have been out there, has to tip their hat to because this man has been at the forefront of telling us what's coming down the pipeline. And folks... The roosters are hitting the nest, the, uh, the the shit is in the fan, whatever your analogy is, it's happening in 2020. And uh, my last uh, parting words here before I leave the airways for the evening is stay safe, stay clean, stay COVID free, stay alive, keep your mask on, take your mask off, be careful, that's all that matters, but please, please don't ride and loot. If you have grievances with the police or the law, do it the right way. Vote for the right people. Get you know yourself motivated. There's nothing wrong with peaceful protesting, but when you come when it comes to rioting and looting, you're only hurting yourselves and innocent people around you. That's something that's unacceptable in this or any free society. Guys, till next week. This is Angel from uh, Inside the Jackal's Head, and I bid you guys a farewell, good evening, good night, and I shall catch you again next week. Up next is Kaiser's Talk Radio with the man himself, Mr. Kaiser, and uh, stick around for that.